org shiur on Evan Hashtia. This is the fourth and final shiur on Evan Hashtia. We'll try to summarize the entire topic. Let us get to work. And that's not part of Evan Hashtia. And this is okay. Let's go. Let's get to work. First and foremost, let us see what Evan Ashtia looks like. Evan Ashtia happens to be in the Dome of the Rock. That's the Golden Dome on the Har Habayit. On the Har Habayit, there are two domes. There is the Dome, the uh, Silver Dome, that is the Mosque of El-Aqsa. And there is the Golden Dome, that is the Dome of the Rock. Uh, we could see it a little bit here in the bottom on the bottom right. Nonetheless, in the Dome of the Rock is a massive rock, hence the name Dome of the Rock. And it's called today Evan Hashtia. Is this the original Evan Hashtia? We'll talk about it in the conclusion of this year. But nonetheless, on the Harabite, on the Harabite was a famous rock called Evan Hashtia, which was located in no place less than the holiest place in Harabite, which was, let's go, unmute yourself, chat. Where was the Evan Hashtia located? Holy of Holies? Holy of Holies, in Kodesh Kodeshim. Now, what we have to also, the end of the year, we'll talk about is the rock over here in the Dome of the Rock. Is this the rock? Of Evan Ashtia, is this the place of the Holy of Holies? Topic in and of itself. Let's get to work though on what we've seen throughout this year. First of all, we saw that the Gemara in Yuma says in the discussion of Yom Kippur that in Kodesh Kodeshim, on the place where the Ark was, there was a rock called Rock of Foundation. So in the first temple, when the Kohen would walk into Kodesh Kodeshim, the Holy of Holies on Yom Kippur, he would put the Ktoret incense in front of the Ark. However, at the end of the first temple, as well as in the second temple, there was no Ark. The Ark was hidden or taken. It's a whole interesting shir we had here in Wabi Shiva. But nonetheless, there was no ark, but there was a rock of foundation, and he would put the incense, the ktoret, in front of the, in front of that stone. So first of all, we see over here a very important concept that in the holy of holies. If I were to ask you what makes a holy of holy the holy of holies, well, first of all, it's a holy of holies, okay? But you would normally say, well, there the ark is over there. Well, we now learn that when there's no ark. The rock of foundation is sort of just as good. Let's see over here the Mishnah in Yuma. Meshinital Aron, when the ark was taken, I have it here with the translation. You could feel free to read the English as well. Evan Haitasha There was a stone there from the time of the early prophets. Early prophets is the terminology for David Hamelech and Shlomo. Yes, they were prophets. In other words, a rock was there from the very beginning of the foundation of Beit HaMikdash, Kret, and it was called the Rock of Foundation. It's very important to note this little part over here. We'll see it later. It's the height was the three uh, three fingers high, which is roughly, let's say, about 
fingers about an inch, about three inches high. And on this rock would the Kohen then put the incense, the Ktoret, on Yom Kippur. So interesting. So the Mishnah teaches us one, Holy of Holies has a rock that replaces the Ark. Interesting. And second of all, it's three in, about three inches high. We'll see about later. Now, the Gemara goes on. The Gemara says, well, why is it called a rock of foundation? Hana explains the, 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 the rabbis of the, of the Mishnah. As we learned elaborately in the first shiur, the whole world was created from the rock. On, the, on that rock, the rest of the world was wrapped around it. That's the core of the creation of the world. Okay. So we learned elaborately in the first year, it is not to be taken literally at all. So holy of holies, rock, foundation, that's very interesting. What's unique about, about this rock? So we learned in other shirim as we went in the Midrash Tanhuma that the world is built like a human being, and so is the Beit HaMikdash. The Beit HaMikdash has the brain, that's Kodesh Kodeshim, Holy of Holies. We have the Menorah, the eyes, the, the Lechem Apanim, the Ketoret, the Aldi, the, the ears, the nose, the Mizbeach outside the stomach. Basically, a human being is like a small world. A human being is like a small world. Beit HaMikdash represents the whole world. And we don't have Beit HaMikdash anymore. We have the shuls. It's called Beit HaMikdash Me'at. And just like a human being is start, basically human being starts in the womb, the umbilical cord is the most important part. That's actually where everything all begins. Here too, you have an umbilical cord. So the Gemara over here says that just like the Beit HaMikdash represents the whole world, and it also represents a human being. Just like the Beit HaMikdash, we connect to Hashem, every human being has to inside themselves as a Beit HaMikdash and connect to Hashem. And let's see these words over here. Okay? When Hashem created His world, Hashem created the world just like He created a human being. Just like a human being, it begins with the umbilical cord, and then it grows from there. Also, same here when Hashem created the world, began with Evan Hashtia. Okay, so here we're getting a hint. The most important thing is to, for a child, is to get all the sustenance from the mother. That's what the umbilical cord gives the child. Same thing, Evan Hashtia. So we see there are human beings now connect with Hashem. So we as humans need to bring Hashem into us. We are a Beit Mikdash. The Beit Mikdash represents the world. We are, we, Beit Mikdash, world, Hashem, all have to be one, connected with Hashem. So our connection with Hashem is going to be via this rock of foundation. So Hashem creates in the physical world some place that with that we can connect to Hashem. What are we talking about? I have to share with you a beautiful, beautiful spot emet. The uh, Gera Rebbe from a few generations ago says as follows. In the physical world, we have concepts of time, concepts of space. The spiritual world has none of that. By Hashem, there's no today, tomorrow, yesterday. Time does not exist in the world of spirit. Also, dimensions do not exist in the world of spirit. Now, 
the idea is that we're going to we want to connect with Hashem. So we're going to have one place in our physical world that would enable us to make it easier for us to connect with Hashem. And that place chosen was Beit HaMikdash. And in Beit HaMikdash, the Holy of Holies is the holiest place. And that's considered to be the connection to spirituality. So human beings, again, need a physical way because we're physical people to connect. But we're going to find a place, as the Svatimet, that is going to be a little spiritual in our physical world. And therefore, there is a, a famous Chazal that teaches that when people went on to Har Habayit and would stand on Yom Kippur, they would be squished next to each other. But when they would bow down, there would be plenty of space. It was one of the miracles that took place on the Har Habayit. Says this Fatimet, this is not just, oh, how cool, how really amazing that when they would bow down, all of a sudden there was no issue of space. It was to give the people a feeling that the world of spirit really has no space and is not confined by dimensions. And therefore, it would be an experience on the Har Habayit and Beit HaMikdash that was super, uh, we'll call it uh, me metaphysical, more spiritual. So, for example, for example, the Lechem Apanim would never, never go stale. You would go on to bait into bait onto the Harabite Beit Hamikdash, and you would smell the fresh Lechem Hapanim, even though the fresh bread was put there. And Friday would smell fresh till the following Friday. The Ktorit had an amazing scent to it as well, and the experience of Harabite, also the music of the Levine. There was so much going on in Beit Hamikdash, so much spirituality over there. So when a human being went onto Harabite, they heard the Singing the Levian, which was known to be so emotionally uplifting. There's a story of a person who was a complete heretic and just melted by the sound of the music. I'm purposely trying to like move quickly as you know, want to put the whole thing together. So music, scent, scenes over there. The, you know, talk about the the Kruvin, They would open up the curtains uh, on the holiday. People were able to see the uh, the whole the holy uh, ark and see the Kruvim. As well, it was an amazing experience. So basically, the Harabite is where the physical is not as strong as the rest of the world. So that gives us like a gateway into, into the spiritual world. So the Evan Hashtia, where the Aron is sitting on, is not, oh, there's no Aron, we have an Evan Hashtia. It's come to teach us that this is the place where we connect with spirituality but this is only half the story the other half is actually what we're about to see in in a second but let's summarize what we've seen so far we've seen that the mishnah says in the holy of holies there's a there's a stone we've also seen that it was made by david and shlomo when they originally made the beta mcdash this is part of the beta mcdash we've seen that the rock of foundation is the place where hashem created the world from we see the Gemara also, which talks about the concept of the umbilical cord. It's not just oh, the world was created from here. This rock, this place is where spirituality and physicality connect. That's what we've seen in the first two shiurim. Last year we came around with wow, a pirkei de Rabbi Eliezer with the story of Yaakov Avinu, and we saw as such 
Yaakov Avinu, as we know, leaves Be'er Sheva. We elaborated, elaborated what Be'er Sheva represents. And he now is about to leave to Chutzlarts. So, Avram Avinu connected with Hashem, but was not strong enough to survive in the world outside of Eretz Yisrael. Hashem takes him from that world and brings him into Eretz Yisrael. And connects with him on the highest possible levels. He now raises a son called Yitzchak, who takes whatever Avram Avinu built and raises it that much more. Their grandchild, Avram's grandchild, Yitzchak's son Yaakov, is on such a high level, he can go back to where Avram Avinu came from and stay strong. So Avram, Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov are called the foundation. Again, Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov, but at the same time, we have to also mention Sarai Menu. Rivka, Rachel, and Leah, each one of our forefathers has a unique attribute to them that together they gave us the power which enabled now to create uh, basically Am, Am Yisrael. So now, Yaakov Avinu leaves Be'er Sheva. He has reached the climax of spiritual growth, enabling him now to tackle the most difficult of darkness of the physical world. And he leaves Be'er Sheva, and he now goes to Haran, again, wherever Mavinu comes from. And he reaches the place, and he falls asleep, and he sees his famous dream. And that place was Har Habayit. And the place he slept was the place of Beit HaMikdash. And now he takes rocks, as we've seen. And he took 12 rocks, and he put it around his head. In the morning, they all became one. And he then takes that rock, takes oil, anoints it, and says, this rock will be, let me see over here at the very end, He took the rock that he put by his, around his head, that became one. Here it says, Eta'evin, the single, and the singular. In the previous Pesukim, it said, he took a number of rocks, we learned they all became one. And he anointed it with oil, he called the place Beit El, and he said, Okay? He says, this rock will be the house of Hashem. And we also see in the previous Sukim, Yaakov Avinu says, after he wakes up from the dream, Vayashkem Yaakov, and Yaakov wakes up, and he says, He was shaken, and he says, This place is so awesome. This is the house of God. This is the gateway to heaven. So one second, one second. Let's put two and two together. What do we get? We get the Yaakov Avinu, takes this rock, sleeps on the place, and says, This is the gateway of heaven where I slept, i.e., what is the gateway to heaven? Kodesh HaKodeshim. And the rock that he took, he makes this rock. He says, this rock will be the house of Hashem. That's very interesting. What is this rock? And the Orachayim HaKadosh brings over here in the name of the Zohar. And he says that this rock that Yaakov Avinu puts down became the Evan Hashtia. So this is absolutely fascinating. But it comes even more fascinating when we see the Pirka de Rabbi Eliezer, which we saw last week. And he says as follows, So Yaakov didn't just take any 12 rocks. He found the altar that 
Avram Avinu sacrificed Yitzchak on, which was a double sacrifice. Avram was willing to sacrifice his son. Yitzchak was an adult man, stronger than Avram Avinu physically. He could have resisted. He also was willing to give his life up, dedicated for Hashem. So he takes the rocks from the altar of Yitzchak, which represent total dedication to Hashem. He puts them around his head. That morning, when he wakes up, he sees that those rocks have become one. And then he said, Hashem took the rocks. Again, last week we read it more elaborately. And Hashem took the rocks. Hashem sent down oil from heaven. Because of Yaakov, why would he carry oil with him? Sent down oil from heaven, anointed the rocks. And he, that rock became Evan Hashdiah, as the Pirkei the Blizzard says. Hashem took the rock. And uh, watch this. Hashem took the rock. Ma'asa Kadush Baruch Hu. Natal regal yemino, he took his right foot. He pushed the rock to the core of the earth and made it the core of the earth. And that became the umbilical cord from which the whole world now uh, stemmed from. That became the umbilical cord of the earth. So we see something amazing. We see that Yaakov Avinu, has reached the climax of spirituality now strong enough to go out to the real world, which is what the Jewish nation's mission is, to go out to the real world, to the physical world, and be a light to the nations, to bring spirituality into the world. That's the same mission as Beit HaMikdash. As Shlomo HaMelech says, he davens and made this temple be a temple and a light to all the nations. It's a mission to bring spirituality to all the world. Shlomo Melech reached that pinnacle of light to the nations when all the nations of the world came rushing and flocking to see the Beit HaMikdash. Hence also the concept of him marrying so many princesses from around the world, meaning the whole world now really connects with the, spirit, with the spirituality uh, with, with Hashem. Uh, now, so something now interesting happens. Before we said that Hashem in the physical world created the world from the map for the rock of foundation, and we as humans need a place where we can we can go and we can connect, and it's a place which is uh, again physical, but it's like metaphysical that, that this is where we connect to Hashem. Here we see the exact opposite we see here and the two do not contradict each other we see here that the evan hashtia was created by the dedication of avram and yitzchak in the akidat yitzchak sacrifice of yitzchak yaakov now takes those stones puts them around his head for protection miraculously they become one to represent that even though each and every one of the 12 tribes have their own unique capabilities and uh, and uh, uniqueness and and virtues as anyone else in the world has the whole world can work as one to all serve Hashem Yaakov realizes this tremendous power when ultimate dedication everyone becomes one he goes this now is the Shara Hashemayim this is how we connect i.e. if we as humans reach out spiritually to Hashem here is how we can connect to Hashem. So Hashem takes that stone of dedication, takes the human dedication, 
on Harabayit, and that's where Hashem says, this is where I will connect the human. So, is it Hashem connecting to Evan Ashtiyah, then we as humans go to Evan Ashtiyah to get the spirituality from Hashem, or is it the other way around, where that's where human beings showed their sacrifice, that's where the Korban of Adam HaRishon was, the, uh, the earth, as it says, we all come from earth, from earth that will come, it refers to the Midrash, again, conceptually speaking, says that the Hashem took the earth from the place of the Beit HaMikdash, the place of the Mizbeach, that's where he made Adam from. So it's a place where human beings have always shown their dedication. That's where Noah brings his Korban, uh, Avram Avinu we mentioned, and Yitzhak we mentioned, and Yaakov we mentioned. It's a very, very special place where people show their dedication to connect to Hashem. And that's why Hashem says, well, if you're so dedicated to me over here, here's where I can connect to you. Similarly, uh, we say in the davening of Rosh Hashanah, we have Malchiyot, Zichronot, and Shofarot. Malchiyot, well, we anoint Hashem to be king. Makes sense. Zichronot, we say, well, Hashem, remember us. What does that mean? Hashem cannot forget. What it means is, if I remember you, you remember me. It's it's taking the potential and bringing it into into uh, into into action. So if we remember Hashem, Hashem will remember us. What we're saying is, if we Hashem, we remember you. At which point Hashem now remembers us. So, because I'll say that, in fact. It's not that Hashem made a holy place and people go there to get spirituality, but the reason Hashem made it there because that's a place where human beings have been dedicated. Now I have to show you the Midrash Tanchuma. The Midrash Tanchuma is absolutely fascinating. This we did not see last week. This is brand new. And let's go. Hamishkan says the Midrash Tanchuma, written by Rabbi Tanchuma, roughly about 1,500 years ago. Elep Kudei Hamishkan. And it says as follows, the Mishkan, it says, Zesha Mar HaKatuv, Kiste Kavod Marom Merishon Makom Mikdashenu, Mechuvan Mikdashenu, whatever, it's uh, basically the heavenly throne is exactly parallel to the Kodesh HaKodeshim. Vechen Atamotzeh, I'm skipping here a second, Yerushalayim Mechuvenet Lamala, Kmo Yerushalayim Shalmata. Okay, meaning that Upper Jerusalem is exactly parallel to the lower Jerusalem. Merov Ahavata Shalmata, grab this, grasp this. Merov Ahavata Shalmata Asacheret Lamala. Because of the love, Hashem's love for human beings behaving spiritually in the lower Jerusalem, therefore now Hashem connects from the upper Jerusalem. And why was Jerusalem destroyed? Because the moment the lower Jerusalem was not behaving spiritually, then the upper Jerusalem collapsed, so to say. And basically, uh, once there's no spiritual power, then everything basically fall, falls apart. Vechen, Amar David, Yerushalayim habnuyak yachtav. There's a Pasuk and Tehilim which says the built Jerusalem is like a city that's connected together. What is the city of Jerusalem connected together? The lower Jerusalem and the upper Jerusalem are one and they're connected at the umbilical cord. Meaning the moment, the moment one separates, look at these very, very powerful words, a very, very famous song 
on either Pirche London or or uh, or the uh, London Pirche, uh, either Pirche London or Pirche Miami, one of the two. Benishba and Hashem took an oath. Very very powerful words. Sheshchinato lo yikanes b'shel mala ad shibaneshel mata. So Hashem says, I swear, I take an oath. I will not enter the Jerusalem, the upper Jerusalem, if the lower Jerusalem is not complete. And says the Midrash Tanchuma, come and see how, how beloved Israel is before HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Look how beloved Hashem says that if the nation is getting close to Hashem, Hashem will get close to them. And the nation sins, Hashem also sins. When the nation goes and sins, God forbid, Hashem separates, basically Hashem will not enter the Yerushalayim Shalmalu. When Israel goes into Galut, Hashem also, so to say, goes into goes into Galut, meaning Hashem will not be in the upper city and on the and the heavenly throne while the nation is in Galut, because the two are connected to each other, to each other. I believe these are the words also in the Pirkei of Lezer. Okay. So now, this brings us now to, to the most fascinating, fascinating concept that the idea of Kodesh HaKodeshim is not that, oh, it's a holy of holy and therefore we build Beit HaMikdash over there, but it's the other way around. This is the place where we as humans who need a, a place, a physical place, because we're humans, to connect to Hashem. This was a place chosen. This was a place of ultimate, ultimate sacrifice. And this, therefore, now is the place where Hashem will now connect with human beings. When we connect with Hashem, Hashem connects with us. When a person is in sin, a person goes into Galut, and Hashem also is there waiting. Hashem is there with us in Galut, waiting for us now to come back. Hashem's throne is not complete until, uh, until we, complete, uh, we complete ourselves. Okay, so now the umbilical cord now actually works both ways, which is that that's where we connect with Hashem if we want, unlike a child who has no free choice, and the infant basically always oh, using the umbilical cord, just getting the uh, food and all the other uh, needed elements, the oxygen and so on, all from the mother without any thought. Here it's the other way around. When human beings want to connect and do their part, they create the umbilical cord where they can actually now connect with Hashem. Now you might ask one second, was that rock not there from the first day of creation? That rock has been there forever and ever, way before Yaakov Avinu. And the answer, as we mentioned before, as the Svatimet says, that in the world of spirit, there is no concept of time or dimension. And dimension of physical, Dimension as well as time. Time is a dimension. And therefore, and therefore, Hashem made the rock there from the beginning of creation, and yet that also has the rock of Yaakov Avinu. Those two do not contradict. It's a concept that Hashem chose that place and made that place the Holy of Holies, knowing that in the future that's where his children would dedicate themselves to him. So those two actually go together.
So quick summary of Evan Hashtia. Evan Hashtia is a place again in the physical world where human beings connect with Hashem and therefore Hashem also connects with humans. And that's the, that's the core of all the world. That's the what the world is about. It does not mean that's the first speck that was created and the world's created around it. Literally actually means that this is the place where the whole world stems from and breathes some, i.e. the core, the core of the world, where Yushalayim Shalmala, Yushalayim Shalmata connect, otherwise known as Shar Hashemayim, the gateway of heaven. Now, as we go in, what I want to show you now also, what's interesting is on, on Yom Kippur, the Avodah of the Kohen Gadol on Yom Kippur represents this idea. Let me show you that. Okay, so all right. So on Yom Kippur, I'm going to skip through uh, quickly because I want to actually get to the main part. But this is this is har this is har habayit. The kotel, by the way, over here is where I'm pointing over here with uh, the hand over here. It's the bottom right hand side. This is the uh, the western wall of today. By the way, you'll see that there's a bridge going from the hill on the left hand side of the har habayit. That's the Jewish quarter of today. And this bridge, which would take people directly into har habayit, the foundation of the bridge is there till this very day. That's also, by the way, where the kotel tunnel tours. Uh, begin and let me see why I cannot move this. There we go. Okay, this is right. I want to skip a second to Kodesh HaKodeshim. Okay, all right. The Kohen Gadol goes now into Kodesh HaKodeshim in the first temple. The ark was there, and he brings a shovel full of incense of ketoret, and that represents dedication to Hashem. And now we move on. Second temple, there was a, uh, a stone over there. That's the uh, Evan Hashetiyah. You'll see it looks like it's about three inches high. And then what he would do is face in the ark, face in the ark, he would dip his finger in the blood of the ox that was the sacrifice, and he would throw one up and seven down to make sure he did not forget the count. He would say, achat, and throw a drop of blood up in the air. And then he would say, well, I did one up, and now it's the first one down. Achat, ve'achat, one up, first one down. And then the third dip, he would say, well, I did one up, it's the second one down. Achat ve'shalosh. And so on, achat ve'arba till achat ve'sheva. And then, interesting enough, he, you see over here, he's throwing one up and seven, one up and seven down. He would then go to the parochet, that's the curtain between the Kodesh Kodeshim Holy of Holies and the Heichal, the hall where the menorah and the Lechem Apanim are. And again, he would face the parochet and do one up and seven down. And here's a question that we may want to ask ourselves. This is the one of the pinnacles of the Avoda of Yom Kippur. Now that we spent four weeks 
learning about Evan Hashatia, Shar Hashemaim. What in the world is this one up, Evan down? What is it all about? So I'll share, I'll share with you what what it says in uh, in Chazal. Kodesh HaKodeshim is Shara Shemayim. That's where we, again, as humans, need a place to connect that. That was the place where ultimate dedication took place. And we're actually saying that this is the place that when we go there, we had the most amazing spiritual experience. We have total dedication to Hashem. Hashem, therefore, now, also uh, from that place. Again, Hashem is everywhere, but is able. we're able to connect to Hashem in that place. The one up represents that we're connecting with Hashem. Hashem is is up, and in the physical world, there's a famous uh, concept called the Sheva Rakiim, the seven heavens, which represents different levels of connection with Hashem. The seventh heaven is say, "Oh, I'm in seventh heaven." It means a person is very spiritually high, <laughs> sorry, very close to Hashem. And as we get down to the first heaven. That's the physical world that we're in. Yes, connected to Hashem, but it's a mundane physical world. As we travel through the world throughout the year, we get to Yom Kippur, which is a refueling station. Now, refueling stations are very special, and they're awesome, and they're great. Yet, if you were to keep your car in the gas station, you would not be gaining anything. You need to go. You need to move and do things. But yet, once in a while, you need a refueling station. So we get to Kodesh HaKodeshim on Yom Kippur. We say, Hashem, look, we spent our whole year in the physical world, just like Yaakov Avinu went out, was strong, and went out to the physical world. What did Yaakov say? If Hashem will protect me, when I come back, I will... Give Hashem a tenth. Basically, he also made made a korban actually when he came back. In other words, that place for him was a place where he felt connected. Because that Shara Shemayim, that place became the place where it will become Beit HaMikdash, where everyone can go and connect with Hashem. And on Yom Kippur, we reconnect. We go into Kodesh HaKodeshim. And one up, and we now bring Hashem into our world one up seven down we reconnected with hashem we went in we brought the ktoret the kohen gadol represents humanity so we bring the ktoret the incense representing total dedication the most amazing scent in the world very spiritual total dedication to hashem and now we're connecting with Hashem in the Holy of Holies. But one second, we now also now want to take that connection into our world. So we go out into the more physical world, which is the Heichal, where we have the Menorah representing light, and the Lechem HaPanim representing also smell and the Ketorah, also smell all the other elements. And again, we're going to do one up and seven down, representing again, Taking that connection we rebuilt with Hashem and bringing it now into our world. Finally, we're going to put the blood on the Mizbeach HaKtoret. That's the special altar for the incense. 
And that altar only had ktoret, unlike the altar outside, which had actual animals which were burning. This represented no animals, nothing physical, just incense burning. It's sort of like a very spiritual kind of sacrifice. And we're going to put the blood on that altar, representing that we have reached our total dedication towards Hashem. So now we understand that Beit HaMikdash is holy. The Holy of Holies is not just a Holy of Holies for no reason. That's a place, that is the Shar HaShemaim. And that's what we do on Yom Kippur. And on Yom Kippur, therefore, we do not behave like human beings who are trying to reconnect with Hashem. So what do we do on Yom Kippur that represents that we're actually leaving the world of humans? No, let's go. I've spoken because last year a lot. What do we do on Yom Kippur representing that we're metaphysical? We're actually connecting to spirituality. Let's go. Unmute. Chat. What do we do on Yom Kippur? Fast. Okay. And why do we fast in Yom Kippur and all the other fasts we fast to atone for our sins? We sinned, but why do we fast on Yom Kippur? It also tones for different things that we've done, but also, yeah, what were you saying? Be more spiritual. There we go. What else? What else in Yom Kippur? To be like angels. Great. You know, how do we, how do we, how do we physically uh, play that out? Angels we don't need. Yeah, go ahead. What else? Interesting, though, uh, Ashkenazic minhag. Ashkenazic minhag, what clothing do we wear on Yom Kippur? White. White. The kittel, right? The kid, that's where the Ashkenazic kittel comes from, right? Again, representing uh, spirituality. Also, we don't wear shoes. Moshe Rabbeinu, he sees the burning bush. What does he have to do? Take his shoes off. Take his shoes off. Now, in Tisha B'Av, we don't wear shoes for a different reason. Because we're trying to uh, atone for our sins. It's painful. On Yom Kippur, we don't wear shoes. We say not leather shoes. I mean, today, it's, you know, it's, uh, it's a very <laughs> interesting thing. Today, we have Crocs and all sneakers. I'm unaware of any modern shoe today that does have leather. But the concept of not wearing leather in those days, there were no plastic shoes or rubber or sneakers or anything else like that. Not wearing shoes was mean walking barefoot. Again, spirituality. So on Yom Kippur, we're actually making Shar HaShemayim. We're going into the Holy of Holies. We're doing the one up seven now. We're doing it. We're doing it. And that's how we connect with Hashem. That's what Yom Kippur actually is about, the connection with Hashem. We leave the world of spirit, of physical, and we become, it's, it's like become like metaphysical. We actually become more and more spiritual. Now, in the preparation for this, a person can't just show up one day and say, oh, that's it. Today I'm spiritual. Walk into Kodesh Kodeshim and bring the incense and put the blood one up, seven down. doesn't just work that way. So everything we had till now, you have to realize, actually makes it very easy. I'm going to flip back here a second. The whole thing until, until that moment becomes also very, very clear. First of all, let me flip back a little more. Okay. So, on Yom Kippur, before Yom Kippur, the Kohen Gadol has to go through training because, you know, it's 
that's a whole uh, he has to do everything by himself by the way very interesting too Yom Kippur no cause Kohanim can help you the Kohen Gadol around for certain jobs but all the jobs are done by the Kohen Gadol representing that human beings reach their climax of spirituality represented by the Kohen Gadol next Kohen Gadol dips in the morning in the mikveh in the Beit HaMikdash. By the way, they had a heated mikveh. You see over here on the left-hand side, they had balls of iron, and they would put them inside the mikveh to heat to heat it up. Just an interesting point. And they had a fireplace, too, because it got pretty cold. All right, let's go on. Uh, by the way, also on the right-hand side here, and if you could see it, it's a very, very unique thing in Beit HaMikdash. It's like a door on the right-hand side. That was a bathroom. They actually had a bathroom that was... Uh, flowing water inside the Beit Hamikdash, and it was called. Uh, it was the first ba private bathroom. Like people used to go to outhouses, which was uh, aside from the fact that it didn't smell great, but also lacked privacy. So it was called the uh, the um, Room of Honor, Kiseha Kavod, uh, in Beit Hamikdash. It was a very very unique bathroom. Till today, the nickname in Hebrew for a bathroom is the uh, the Room of Glory. But anyway, let's go on. So. The Kohen Gadol, at the beginning of the day, nothing to do with Yom Kippur. Every day in Beit HaMikdash, you have to bring a korban in the morning, called a korban tamid in the morning, ktoret, and the menorah. It's an argument if he just, if he likes the menorah, or he just prepares the menorah, it's an argument. But nonetheless, first part of the morning, you see this, by the way, in the Machzor, if you'll see, uh, the Seder HaAvodah of Yom Kippur, you'll see, it will mention this. He gets up, he goes to the mikvah. Uh, and the first thing he does, he washes his uh, hands and feet with uh, the with uh, with water. The regular coin would do it from the kior, the massive vessel with water. Uh, the Kohen, out of honor and respect to the Kohen, would bring the water in a vessel. It's not just cute. It's not just honor. We're representing here that on Yom Kippur, we're not going to even wash our hands in the regular way, hands and feet. We're going to be extra holy. We're rising up spiritually. We want to connect with Hashem. We're, we're going to do everything possible to make this as special as possible. So let's go. We bring the Kohen. The Kohen now takes a shovel and he goes onto the Mizbech and he takes some of the ashes from the Kurbanot from the previous day. This is called Trumat Hadeshen. And he puts the ashes on the very, very base of the Mizbech. The idea behind this, one of the ideas behind it is that no day stands alone. Every day is connected to the other day. Every action has a connection to other uh, elements as well. So we take some of the korbanot from yesterday, and that's the first korban. We put it in the base of the Mizbeach, connecting all the days one to another. Then he goes and he slaughters the lamb of the korban to meet in the morning, and they dissect it. They take the blood. They pour it on the Mizbeach. This is done every single day, representing dedication to uh, to Hashem, the part of the animal that is split and walked onto the Mizbeach, the Levim sing the song of the day, as we mentioned before, raising the spiritual uh, environment over there tremendously. The menorah is either lit or fixed up, and the uh, altar of the incense, the Kurban of the Ktoret, the Ktoret is then brought as a sacrifice to Hashem. That begins every single day, Yom Kippur included. Now, we get to the special Avodav Yom Kippur. So one second, the Kohen has to dress up into white, right? Into white. He washes hands and feet. He changes from his, goes to the mikveh, changes into white. Again, washes hands and feet. 
And now he's about to go to Beit HaMikdash. Whoa, 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 whoa. You can't go in, my dear friend. You have to first atone for your sins. So he takes an ox and he says, my family and I have sinned. And he atones for his sins. That makes him ready now for Beit HaMikdash. Meanwhile, they go and they also bring two lambs, which will be the sacrifice to atone for the sins of the Jewish nation. One will be sacrificed in Beit HaMikdash and one will be sent to Azazel which we'll see shortly. And now the Kohen goes back to the ox and says, wait, not just I, but I and the Kohanim, he atones for himself and all the other, the whole staff of the Kohanim. Now we're ready, almost. We slaughtered the ox, we got the blood, now we need to take the incense, okay? They take him from the Mizbech, they take some coals, they pour incense into his hand, he puts him into the special vessel. And now we, we can't, just walk into Kodesh HaKodeshim. We've atoned for our sins. We're ready to go in. But before we go to sprinkle the blood, we have to show our total dedication, i.e. bring the incense. And now the cloud is filling Kodesh HaKodeshim, representing that Hashem, we don't really see Hashem. Hashem is like behind the cloud. He's there, but we don't really see Hashem. A lot of other ideas in the Torah as well. I'm not going to go into it right now. And now we're ready. Now we're ready. He's calling atone for his sins. And he runs out. And he takes the blood and he sprinkles the one up, seven down. The Kohen now is connected with Hashem. But one second. What about the rest of the Jewish nation? He runs out and he grabs the lamb. There were two lambs, one to go to Azazel and one to be stored in the Beit HaMikdash. And now he stores the lamb and he takes that blood and once again goes back into Kodesh Kodeshim, one up, seven down. So it's fascinating. The Kohen connects with Hashem and only after he's connected, can he now take the blood representing the Jewish nation and connect the nation? And then he does the same thing in the Hichal, as we said, bring Hashem into his world. And then he does the same thing for the blood of, of the, uh, the kid representing Am Yisrael. And then he mixes the two bloods together. The Kohen and Am Yisrael have become one. He rose up to the occasion, was able to bring the nation with him, and they've all become one, and our dedication now is complete to Hashem. And now we reach the pinnacle of uh, Yom Kippur, and we now send the kid. This is the final kid. We atone for it. We send it out to Azazel, which is outside Beit HaMikdash. Interesting topic in and of itself where it is. Two main opinions. Either it's the area of Abu Dis on the way to Ma'ale Dumim, or it's by uh, Chizma, the area of uh, Yishuv today called uh, Adam. There's a place over there where it, it, it makes sense fully. And the idea over there is that this is a sacrifice outside of Beit HaMikdash, similar to Yaakov Avinu, who built up that tremendous power from Beit HaMikdash, is now able to go and deal with the outside physical world. During the year, one can only bring a Korban in Beit HaMikdash, but Yom Kippur, when we rise up to such a high level, we can now go sacrifice the Korban outside Beit HaMikdash. Yaakov Avinu, Builds up tremendous power in Beit HaMikdash. He now is able to go back to Haram, where Avram Avinu came from, and survive. And we too, on Yom Kippur, do the exact same thing. We go into Kodesh Goshim, build up the stamina so strong, we can now go, and we realize Hashem is everywhere, even outside Beit HaMikdash. A lot of deep ideas about it, but this is this is just, just one of them. Uh, also want to mention, Yaakov Avinu gets to Haran. And as we all know the story, there was a well over there, and there was a very heavy uh, rock over the well. No one could move the rock. Yaakov Vino with his one finger grabs it and pushes the rock off. 
the idea being that once you've conquered the physical world, nothing can actually stop you. It's a conceptual idea. Now, let's get back a second. The Kohen Gadol now has to bring the Musaf of of Yom Kippur. That is done in regular clothes because Musaf is some, something done every day, every holiday to be precise. He gets back dressed again into gold and they bring the Korban Musaf. And now he has to get back into white to take the uh, shovel with the incense, which is in Beit HaMikdash, and take it out. So he actually goes gold in the morning for the regular morning things, then white for all the Yom Kippur things, back into gold for the uh, Korban Musaf, back into gold to take out the um, to take out uh, the Machta from Kodesh Kodeshim, and that concludes the Avodah of, uh, of Yom Kippur. So now I hope we better understand Again, when we see the Machzor of Yom Kippur, it makes perfect sense. We're again, Shara Shemaim, Beit HaMikdash, we're connecting, at which point the umbilical cord now takes very, very strong effect, uh, enabling us to connect uh, with Hashem at the maximum level possible. That is the idea of, uh, of Yom Kippur. Now, a second. Okay. Now, Regarding the question we began with in the very, very, very beginning, we mentioned that the Evan are three fingers high. If we look today at the rock sitting in the Dome of the Rock, it is a very, very large rock. It's a, I think you can see human beings over here on the side. Okay, you can see on the very side over here, this rock is about six feet tall, a little more than three inches, I would presume. So, a lot of discussion is, is this the actual place of Kodesh Kodeshim? A lot of the prominent authorities say absolutely yes. And uh, one of those um, authorities you have is Rabbi Zalman Koren. Again, we just have a few minutes left. It's the whole topic in and of itself. And he calculated also the, the Mishnah that talks about uh, the different steps that you had in Beit HaMikdash. You had the outer courtyard and three steps into the inner one and three steps into the next one. And following all the steps and basically built a model of the topography of Beit HaMikdash. And when you put that model on the Har Habayit, Mount Moriah, it comes out to perfection that the Evan Hashiyah, the place where the Dome of the Rock is, is exactly where Kodesh HaKodeshim would be. He said, had you tried to put it anywhere else, you would have to carve out uh, stone, which of course is very clearly stating that that's the wrong place. So he, he is 100% not just convinced, but proves a very, very, very interesting lecture and our, our articles that he wrote that that in fact is the place of uh, of uh, the of the Kodesh HaKodeshim. Now, to answer a question one second, if that is the place, then I mean, again, today, I just want to stress, today it looks like the Harbite is all flat, but that, of course, is all man-made. We actually go to the uh, natural uh, uh, topography of the mountain. That's when uh, what, what he says actually would fit. Today, you look at it, it all looks like it's flat, so it doesn't make any sense. But nonetheless, topography actually makes perfect sense. Well, the Evan Hashdiyah on top of it was the Kodesh HaKodeshim, but, but was not built on the ground level. It was built, Kodesh Kodeshim was built on a foundation. So the rock we see today is 
the very, very raw, very core of the earth. Basically, that's that's ground level. Beit Hamikdash was built on foundations. By the way, when you look at the rock, you see from different angles. You actually see, if you look closely, you'll see that there are places over here. You see that there was a place where there were where there were here on the right. You see the right hand side over here. You see there was a um, a wall built in it. It makes it very, very, very clear that there was a wall over there. So basically, you had the walls around it, the foundation, at which point the amount that was actually showing in Beit HaMikdash would have been no more than three inches. Also on top of it, I believe, I want to be careful here, I want to make sure I just read it right, that there were actually stones placed on top of it, actually on, on, top, on top of this rock uh, to, uh, to make it... Uh, I think there were 15 stones or so, don't hold me to it. But nonetheless, actually, so we're not saying that this is what it looked like in Kodesh Kodeshim, but rather this is the rock of foundation of which in Kodesh Kodeshim, just the top layer we're showing, which was uh, which was three inches high, which again, on top of that, uh, on top of that went the ark. So, all right, I've spoken almost the whole shear through, which is not my average minhug. I hope we covered uh, most of the topic anyway. And we now we have Beit HaMikdash, but I just want to mention something interesting too. Rabbi Zalman Koren brings that when they went to build the Dome of the Rock, says that the Sultan says, where is the place? They called it the Jewish the Jewish Rock. And so Jews have been praying uh, for generations uh, by, not in the place, obviously, because the Koshimi can't stand there, but they had like a little shul over there, which they would dive and they would, uh, they would face Face the rocks. You see, it had traditions going back many, many years before. All right. So, first of all, I thank everyone very much for joining. If there are questions, please, the mics are open, the chats are opened. Feel free. Okay. Oh, very good. Incredible. Thank you. Okay, very good. So I want to wish everyone. What's that? Yeah, please. Yeah, no, I was going to say Shana Tova, Shana Tova. Yep, Shana Tova to everyone. We should have a Shana Tova Techatmu Vatechatmu. Should have a Shana Tova Metuka. Only a year with a lot of good news, Bezrat Hashem. Amen, amen. Very good. Okay. So thank you again and wish everyone a Shana Tova and Shavuot from Yerushalayim. Thank you, Rabbi. Thank you. Thank you. Shana Tova. Shana Tova. Mm -hmm.